Well, welcome everybody. Um, it's good to see those who are here with us today in person and for those who are out in the gym extension. Glad that you're here with us. And for those who are with us online, we're really glad that you're joining us this morning too. I don't know about you, uh, but for I know Cecilia and I, it has really grown sweeter and sweeter for us to be able to gather together as a body of believers. And I think that's it's become more and more in the forefront of our mind what a blessing and privilege it is that we have to gather together uh, as a group of believers. And so it's good to see everybody here this morning. Just want to open us up. If you could stand uh, in honor of the reading of God's word, you can read out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. I'm sorry, verses 5 through 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and those on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Father, we gather together to name, today in that name, the name of Jesus, to worship our Savior. Lord, we continue to worship the miracle, Lord, of his condescension, the miracle of his incarnation. Lord, the humility of the king who became a baby and then became a king. So, Lord, we worship you today, and I pray that uh, as we gather together, Lord, your presence would be so strong upon us today. Lord, throughout this service, Lord, as we worship from our hearts and with our voices, as we hear the word preached today, Lord, and be and are changed because of it. So, Lord, we just commit this time to you. Pray that we would honor you with all we say and do. And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Are y'all sing this with me? All of heaven, all creation, sing the wonders of your love. And all of heaven, all creation, sing the wonders of his love. All of heaven and all creation seek the wonders of your love. One more time, all of heaven. And all of heaven and all creation sing the wonders of his love all of heaven and all creation sing the wonders of his love are we going to sing joy to the world and joy to the world the Let her receive her 
Hallelujah. 
bow together 
This is Luke 4, 16 through 21. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me, sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And Lord, that promise that you gave on that day continues to today. Because you died and you rose again. And we are now a part of your family. So Lord, thank you. And in the spirit of that, we bring these requests to you. Asking for this continued ministry that you do to be present to us. And that we would trust you more. Lord, for our marriages in this body as we go into this next year. God, that you would give us grace and strength to love one another. To lay down our lives for each other. That we would be a picture of your love for the church. Lord, we lift up Strong Tower Church here in town and Pastor Terrence Jones. As they continue their ministry in West Montgomery. Lord, thank you for the Jones family and how they've continued to bring a light to the darkness. Give them strength this season and this next year. And in the same vein, Lord, we pray for Dr. Rajesh in India in the mountains as he ministers and cares for people through his hospital. And God, he's doing such good work there in the name of Jesus. We pray for strength for him. And for the unreached people, the Nalu of Guinea, who mix animism with Islam, we pray for them, God, that Christians nearby would bring the gospel to them, that you would provide the scripture in their language, that you will turn their hearts to you. And for us, Lord, as we continue to worship with our giving, we are returning what is yours and that you've requested from us. You've said, give with a generous heart, Lord, give us that heart. And finally, for Grady, as he shares this morning, we pray that you would speak through him and give us open ears, open minds, and open hearts. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, Gateway. One last week to get to say that, right? Hope you all had a great Christmas week with family and with friends. I'm thankful for those of you able to be here in person this morning, for those in the gym and those worshiping from home. We're so thankful that we get to gather together around the Word of God to sing His praises, to pray, and to study His Word together. Well, friends, the Christmas season has come to an end. The Christmas music has stopped on the radio. Now, for some of you, that means you're sad. Some of you are very relieved and happy for that, to get back to the normal music. Our celebrations, for the most part, are over on this. But I want us as a church family to spend one more week looking at the Christmas story, one more week looking at the wonder of what the season is that we have been celebrating. So I want you to find Luke chapter 2 in your copy of God's Word or on your Bible app, Luke chapter 2, as we continue to think about the fact that God came in human flesh. What we were just singing about this morning, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That this Jesus who always existed, who had no beginning, who is the second person of the triune God, who had no beginning and has no end. He stepped out of heaven, came as a baby. He was supernaturally conceived to a virgin and was born in the most humble of situations in a stable and an insignificant town of Bethlehem. 
we kind of wrap up this season of focusing on the birth of Christ, I want us to think about the question this morning quite simply, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Why did he humble himself and step out of heaven and come into these most humble of circumstances? Why did he live a perfect life and willingly go to the cross to die a cruel death? Why did he do all this? Now, if you ask people why Jesus all did this for us, some people might answer, well, he did this because he loves us so much. He saw this great need that we have and we could never meet. He loved us so much. He stepped out of heaven and what we celebrate at Christmas and Easter happened because of his love for us. If you talk to other people, they may say, oh, he did this because he wanted to show off the glory of God. He did this in a plan that was developed before creation even began to show off the character and the attributes and the nature of God. He came to do this to glorify God. So why did Jesus come? Did he come for our sake or did he come for God's sake? Did he come to help us or did he come for the glory of God? And thankfully, Scripture tells us in many places. And one of those is in the text that we began last week, Luke chapter 2, and the pronouncement of the angel. So I want us to pick back up where we left off last week, and we're going to look at verses 13 and 14 this morning. As we read this text, we're looking for why did Jesus come. So Luke chapter 2, can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Friends, we have such a treasure that we have the written Word of God right before us here. Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, before I pray for us, I want us to read that verse 14 out loud together. This is an incredible declaration the angels made, and I want us to get to say it as well. So I know we have lots of translations in the room, so if you'll look up on the screen, so we're all reading for consistency out of the same translation. I want us to read verse 14 out loud together. Can you say it with me? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let me pray for us. Father, what an incredible truth the angels proclaim. Peace to us and glory to you. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would take these very familiar words that we sing about, that we hear at Christmas, and God, would you put within our heart wonder and awe of this incredible proclamation, this incredible thing we celebrate in what Christ has done. So use your word this morning to stir our hearts and our affections for you, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So why did Jesus come? Was it because he loved us? Was it because he wanted to show off the glory of God? And the answer, if you've been around Gateway, is yes, both. It's not an either or, it is a both and. And here's what I want you to see very simply from this text this morning. The salvation Jesus gives to us brings glory to God. The salvation that Jesus gives to us and his love for us brings glory to God. Yes, Christ came to show the love of God. Yes, Christ came to bless us with the love of God. But Christ also came to show the glory and the greatness of God. And we need to keep both of those things in view. That the outpouring of grace we experience through what Christ has done brings great salvation to us and brings great glory to God. So I want you to see this truth from the angel's pronouncement this morning. Now, to make sense of the angel's pronouncement, we have to think back to high school English for a minute. Now, for some of you, that was a long time ago. For some of you, you're still in high school, and so this will be fresher for you. But the angels do something interesting here in their pronouncement. They use a form of speech and a form of writing that we would call parallelism. So again, think back to high school English. I know that was a, may have been a while back. But in high school English, and parallelism is a type of writing or speaking where you say two things side by side because they correspond. 
because they go together. And you're doing this to show that both of these ideas are important. Both of these ideas are weighty. And so what the angels do is they make a pronouncement in a form of poetry here. They use a poetic form called parallelism here to show two equally important things. So I want you to see a chart up on the screen real quick. If you kind of break down this text and notice what the angels say, it kind of gets lost as we look at it in a paragraph form. But they pronounce, first of all, glory to God in the highest, and they pronounce peace among those on earth. And so if you see what's happening here, you have this almost perfect symmetry. So if you're OCD, you're going to really like what the angels are doing here because they keep it very symmetrical here. But they're giving two pronouncements. There's glory and there's peace. So the coming of Christ brings two things, glory and peace. Now the glory goes to God, the peace goes to people. This glory to God is seen in the highest, and this peace to people is happening on earth. And so there's this perfect almost symmetry, this parallelism, because these two ideas correspond. These two ideas go together. These two ideas are both very important and very weighty on this. So when Christ came, he achieved something in the highest. That doesn't mean that the highest degree, that's speaking of location here in this parallel form. They're talking about that from the creation of the cosmos all the way to the highest heavens, something's happening, that God is being glorified. But for people on earth here on this tiny little dot in all of the universe, something amazing is happening, that peace is coming to people here on earth. I want you to see these kind of two truths in parallel that are being held up as equally weighty for us to see both of these. The first one is that Jesus gives us salvation. Jesus gives to us salvation. Go back to verse 14 and notice the last phrase here. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now you may be thinking, I don't see the word salvation here. I see the word peace, but not salvation. So what are we talking about here? Friends, when we hear the word peace, so often we think of it simply as the absence of conflict. But in Scripture, the word peace is so much richer than there's, there's no conflict. The word peace in Scripture goes all the way back to the Old Testament to the word shalom. It's the idea of a blessing from God, the idea of completeness because of a blessing from God. It's often used in Scripture to describe people who are in a right relationship with God. Do you see this? Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, there we go. This is a priestly blessing to the people. Notice what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. Verse 25, it carries on. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. So this is all about what God is doing for his people. He is blessing his people. He's pouring out his grace on them. And in verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you what? Give you peace. This is a prayer for wholeness that comes from knowing God. The wholeness that comes from a right relationship with God. The blessings and grace that comes because we are in a relationship with God. The New Testament carries on that same theme. Later in Luke's Gospel here in Luke chapter 7, if you remember the story of a sinful woman comes in the house of a Pharisee, Jesus is reclining at the table there, and she begins to anoint his feet and cry and wipe his feet with her hair, and she makes a big scene there in the house, and the Pharisees are all offended by that. Jesus says something striking to her. In Luke chapter 7 verse 48, he says to her, "'Your sins are forgiven.'" As he carries on in the next two verses, then those who are at the table began to say amongst us, Who is this? Who is this Jesus, even who forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in what? Go in peace. There's this equating of salvation with peace, the wholeness that comes from being restored to a right relationship with God. And friends, that makes sense that salvation and peace are really simultaneous here because before God grants us salvation, friends, we're his enemy. Before God grants us this peace, we are, we've offended him. We've offended his holiness. We are under his wrath. We are under his judgment. So when God forgives us, when God saves us, he's giving us peace with himself. He's restoring us to a right relationship with him, which is what Paul brings out in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. 
Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, now justified is that legal declaration where God declares us not sinning anymore to where he declares us righteous, not because of what we've done, but it's a legal change of our status. When we've been justified by faith, we have, what's the next word? You know it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that when God saves us, we're no longer alienated, we're no longer estranged from him, we are reconciled, we belong, and we get blessings and grace poured into our lives. And when God does this for us, let me just remind us, this is not something we deserve. This is not something we earn. When God gives us peace, when God gives us forgiveness, this is all his grace being poured out on us. The angels bring that out in verse 14. Go back to Luke 2. Notice what it says, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, this word pleased in the Greek gets translated in other places in Scripture as the phrase graciously wills. So you can translate it pleased here, but the same word in other texts gets translated graciously willed. And on earth, peace among those with whom he graciously wills. In other words, friends, it's a reminder that when God saves us, he is doing what we don't deserve. He has pursued us, he has poured out his love on us, and he in his kindness has chosen to pour out his love and rescue us from our sin. And friends, though not for today, I just want to remind us, and we have this peace with God, from that flows peace within ourselves. You see that in John's gospel, from that flows peace with one another, even people who the world would say couldn't get along. All, many things come out of this peace, and that's for another day. But for right now, just remember that Jesus graciously gives to us peace. He gives to us salvation. But friends, that's only one half of the declaration here, because this is in parallel what the angels are doing. They're showing two equally important truths. And the other part of this is that God is glorified. Go back to verse 14 here, the very first phrase, glory to God in the highest. Now, this is a phrase you've probably heard a lot and sung a lot over the last weeks, but in a different language. Because this phrase right here, glory to God in the highest, translated into Latin, is the phrase gloria in excelsis Deo. Sound familiar? From the song Angels We Have Heard on High. When you, when you sing in the gloria, kind of drags out a little bit in that one. But gloria in excelsis Deo. Gloria, glory, Deo, to God, excelsis, in the highest. And so this is the phrase that we sing so much at Christmas, glory to God in the highest. And when Jesus comes to rescue us from our sin, when Jesus comes as Emmanuel, God was, it brings glory to God in the highest. So in parallel here, we get the salvation, we get the peace, and God gets the glory. Now we talk about glory a lot around here, so I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about here. What does it mean for God to have glory? Well, we saw it last week when the angels appeared and we talked about the glory of God being there. But friends, the glory of God literally is the brilliance around the presence of God. It's literally the brightness around the presence of God. When we speak of the glory of God, technically what we're talking about is the brightness, the brilliance, because of the greatness of God is so big and so immense. It's the brightness around his presence. It's the manifestation, the visible showing of the majesty and greatness of God. And we look at scripture, God is fully glorious all the time. There's never a time that God is not fully glorious. He is so great and so perfect in all of his holiness and all of his attributes. He is fully glorious all the time, but he manifests and he displays for his creation his glory in different ways and in different times. So Luke chapter 2 verse 9, go back up just a few verses to what we looked at last week. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and notice this, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. The one of the things that terrified the shepherds, not just that there was an angel in the sky talking to them, But surrounding the angel was this brilliance that they had never seen, this brightness because the presence of God was there. And they were overwhelmed with fear because they saw a brilliance. They saw a manifestation of the brilliance and the brightness of the glory of God that they had never seen before. So God is fully glorious all the time. But we talk a lot about them. We're to give God glory. 
Well, what do we mean by that? We need to be careful here because when we talk about glorifying God, we're not adding to God's glory. God is fully glorious all the time. Before God even made anything, when there was nothing, when there wasn't even time and space and matter, before there was anything and there was just God, God was fully glorious. Nothing adds to God's glory. That's just the brilliance around his character and his nature. So when we talk about glorifying God, we're not adding to his glory. Rather, we're recognizing his glory. Rather, we're recognizing his greatness and we're responding to his greatness. You know, a lot of times we think of the songs we sing as glorifying God, and they do, but the way we live and the way we think and the way we speak, all that is a way we reflect the glory of God, the greatness of who he is. And that's really what's happening right here in this text. That's what the angels are doing. These angels, if you think about it, they have seen the glory of God on display. They've seen Jesus in all of his glory in heaven. They've seen the brilliance of God and the brilliance of heaven. And they've now seen the wonder of the glory of God coming to earth. You've seen Christ, they see Christ coming to earth as a babe in a manger. They have seen the glory of God on display in the sky for the shepherds. And they can't contain themselves. And so they cry out here in verse 13. We'll go back. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying... When they see the glory of God, they respond, not to add to the glory of God, but because they can't help but responding to the glory of God. We see the word multitude here. When we think of multitude, we think of like 50 or 100, but that's, this word multitude means beyond count. So again, to think about what the shepherds saw, there was a multitude of angels beyond what they could count or number, uncountable number of angels. You can imagine the sky from horizon to horizon filled with angels. Not just one angel in the brightness of God's presence, but literally from horizon to horizon, beyond what they could even count, the whole sky full of these heavenly creatures singing praises to God. Friends, think about when we read together as a congregation, verse 14, and we proclaim that the sound of the 150 or so of us at Gateway saying together, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he was pleased. That was beautiful. But think about what happened when the shepherds heard thousands and thousands and thousands upon thousands of voices proclaiming that same thing in unison from the sky. The angels are here not adding to the glory of God. They simply are recognizing the glory of God and are glorifying him by responding to his glory. Now that raises the big question for us today. If we get the salvation and God gets the glory, how does our salvation glorify God? How does Jesus coming to give us peace with God and peace in ourselves and peace with others, how does Jesus coming to do that bring him glory? Well, quite simply, friends, it brings him glory because it shows his greatness. Our salvation, our receiving peace with God is something that you and I cannot ever accomplish on our own. When God saves us, he is showing his glory because he is doing what is impossible for us to do. He's doing something that we cannot take credit for. Friends, when sinners like you and me turn to believe in God, it is literally a miracle. It is literally miraculous. It's something that we would not have wanted. It is something we could not have done. It's something that God in his grace does to us. That's why in the scripture the images are so clear. If you go back to Ezekiel chapter 36, back in the Old Testament, there's the promise of what would happen when the new covenant comes. This is pointing towards what, would, what Christ would inaugurate when he comes. And he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I, this is the I as God. I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Do you see the miraculous nature of how salvation is described? I can't change my heart. 
You can't change your heart. I can't change my nature. You can't change your nature. But God in this miraculous thing can take and take out our heart of stone. In other words, a heart that does not love him, a heart that's indifferent to him and cold to him and put within us a heart for him, a desire for him, affections for him that were not there. And then verse 27, it goes on. It says, I'll put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God takes us indifferent to him, shaking our fist and saying, I want my way, not yours. And he puts his spirit within us and gives us affections that could not be manufactured by us to say we now want to walk with God. New Testament gives similar images for the miracle of salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Paul's very intentional. We looked at this about two years ago. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love of which he loved us. Then in verse 5, even when we were dead, notice this word dead, we were dead in our trespasses or sins. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The imagery here is intentional. We're not sick and choosing to go to the doctor to get well. We are dead. And a dead person cannot breathe life back in cells. A dead person can only come back to life if someone outside resuscitates them and brings them back to life. That's the image of Scripture for us, that God has to do what we cannot do and bring the miracle of salvation to us and change our heart and change our affections to love Him. Now, interestingly, while we're here in Ephesians chapter 2, this is another text we can look at to see this parallelism of the glory of God and our salvation and his love for us. If you go back one verse to verse number four in Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy because of the great, what? The great what? His love for us, the great love of which he loved us. Now jump ahead to verse seven in Ephesians 2, and notice this. Why did he love us? Why did he give us this grace gift by grace you must save? So that in the coming ages, he might show, not how amazing we are, but he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. That here you have in Ephesians the same thing we have in the angelic proclamation, that we get the salvation and God gets the glory. He's showing off the immeasurable riches of His grace and all these things. So friends, when we believe, when we trust in Christ, when we experience salvation, it brings glory to God because it shows Him doing what only He can do, taking people who are spiritually dead and making them spiritually alive taking people who are his enemies who have no hope of anything but condemnation and making them not just forgiven, but his children who receive his blessing. He does all of this, and in so doing it, he displays his character. He shows himself to be a God who's committed to justice, but a God who's also merciful. He shows himself to be a God who is fully holy, but yet extends grace. He shows his power to turn the hearts of people, and he shows his wisdom to devise a plan like this. I mean, who could have imagined a way to redeem fallen people like he has come up with this and coming into human experience, being born of a virgin, being born in a stable, living a perfect life, walking through this life, never sitting once so we can go to the cross and be a perfect sacrifice. Who could have dreamed this but a God of all wisdom? And so the angels are proclaiming and showing us that we get the salvation and God gets the glory. Friends, that's what Christmas is really all about. So why did Jesus come? Yes, because God loves us. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. But, God, but Jesus also came to show us, to display the glory of God, the awesomeness of his character, to display who he is and to lead us and others to praise him. And friends, as we think about that truth, that is a truth we're celebrating, that we get the salvation and God gets the glory. The angels celebrate it. That's what verses 13 and 14 is all about. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
But not just the angels celebrate, the shepherds celebrate it. If you go down to verse 16 here, the shepherds hear all these things and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They heard the truth and they couldn't help but going to see it. And when they see the truth before their eyes, verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as had been told to them. So the angels are seeing the wonder of the incarnation. The angels are seeing God get glory and people getting rescued and they praise God. The shepherds get to be the recipients of that. They have seen the glory of God. Now they're beginning to experience the peace that comes from believing in Christ and they celebrate and praise God. And friends, it's fitting for us as God's people to celebrate and praise God for this truth as well. Not just at Christmas, but all the time. Hebrews 13 verse 15. I'm going to leave us with this one this morning. Through him, through Christ, and let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. How often do we need to be praising God? Just on Sunday mornings? Just at Christmas then? Through him, let us at Christmas time offer up a sacrifice? What's the word there? Through him, let us then. What's the next word? Continually, friends. Our calling is the people of God is to make much of God, to continually be offering up sacrifices of praises to God. Because like I said earlier, yes, that includes our songs, whether it's Christmas songs or praise songs during the years, but it's so much more that we praise God when we read His Word because we're showing His Word to be all that we need. We praise God when we're praying because we're showing our dependence on Him and His ability to meet needs. We are praising God, friends, when we seek by God's grace to walk in holiness and to put off the deeds of the flesh and put on what the Spirit directs us to do. We are praising Him because we're showing that His plans are better, friends. Anything that we say and do and think that is aligning our lives by His grace to His plan brings Him glory. And we should be celebrating that and praising Him with all of our lives, all of the time. Friends, the salvation that Jesus gives to us brings glory to God. So I want to ask you as we wrap up 2020, as we wrap up all of our Christmas celebrations, as we look towards the new year starting in 2021 coming, I want to ask you quite simply this morning, for those here and for those watching online, do you know this Christ? Not just know about him intellectually, but know him personally. Have you come to a place that you have peace with God, where you're experiencing the shalom, the blessing of being restored to a right relationship with God? Not did you pray a prayer, not did you join the church, not are you seeking to check off all the boxes, but have you come to experience this one the angels sing about, that the shepherds worship, the one that all of Scripture points to? Do you know him? Do you have the blessings of shalom, of wholeness, because you have a relationship with Christ where your sins are forgiven. Friends, if not, what better time of the year to cry out to Him? If you've never trusted Christ, why not go into the Word of God and cry out for His mercy and grace that He loves to give? But friends, for those of you who do know Christ as Lord, who have peace with God, I want to ask you as we come to the end of 2020 and look to the start of a new year, how vibrant is your relationship with Him? How vibrant is your relationship with Christ? He came to, because he loves you, but he also came to not leave you where, he, where you are. He came to rescue us and transform us and ha- build us into lives that give glory to God in all that we do. So friends, how vibrant is your relationship with Christ? Is it transforming you and giving you a radical transformation that leads you to glorify God in all of your life? Because if we realize as we come to the end of the year that there's areas that we haven't grown as much as we needed to, that we're not pursuing Christ as much as we need to, The great hope of the Christmas message is that God still loves to give grace upon grace. Not just when we first believe, but day by day and moment by moment. And friends, if you realize there's areas of your life where you've not been pursuing Christ as you should, where you're not being transformed like you should, cry out to Him. 
He, he loves us, and he wants us to run to his presence in his arms, and he delights in giving grace, and he will change us as we ask him to do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the wonder of salvation, and Lord, we confess it's so easy to take for granted the fact that we, have, we are new in Christ. You've given us a new nature. You've taken out our heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. You've taken us who were dead, and you've brought life to us. And so, Lord, I pray for myself and these precious brothers and sisters that, Lord, that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation. You'd restore to us the wonder of what we celebrate at Christmas, that we would reflect, and not just over Christmas weeks and not just in New Year's week, but we would reflect all year long about Emmanuel, God with us, that we'd reflect about the wonders of your love that we've been singing about. We'd reflect on the greatness of your glory. And Lord, I pray that you would help us get our eyes off of ourselves and on to you. God, I pray that as we go into this new year that you would help us ponder your greatness. You'd help us ponder your glory, that God, that we would see your glory, your own display in ways we haven't before, that we would see you as we dig into your word. We see more of your character, and it would lead us, Lord, in this new year to places of deeper worship, deeper praise to you. And Lord, none of us have arrived. Lord, there's all areas. You still see the ongoing sin in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. So Lord, as your people, we just humbly come before you and pray as we finish up this year and start a new year. And God, that you wouldn't give up pursuing us. And Lord, we know you won't. We know that you continue to pursue us, just like you did when you pursued us for salvation. You continue to pursue us to grow us. So Lord, even over this next week, I pray that you and your kindness to us would show us areas that you desire to grow in us, areas you want us to be more Christ-like in. I pray that we would, with humility, just bow before you and ask you to transform us and change us. So Lord, have your way in your people, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song this morning? Praise forever to 
don't come in to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. Praise the Father. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory, majesty. Praise forever to the King of Kings. you rose, all of heaven held its breath, till the soul was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fade. By His blood and in His name, and in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of Praise forever to the King of Kings. Father, we praise you, God, as we get ready to end this year, God. 2020 has been such a trying year for so many families, God, through so much sickness and death and just trials, Lord, in everybody's lives, and it's affected, I think, everybody in some way, God. 
But God, as we look to 2021, God, and just the new year, God, may it be just renewing for all of us, God. May we just look ahead, look to the future, God, and just put this in the past, God, and through the strength that comes in you, God, move forward, God. God, yes, remember the hurt, but not allow it to govern the way we live our lives, God, but may we live in light of you, God, and the salvation that we have in you, God, the salvation that comes from you, God, ultimately to bring glory to yourself, God. And God, may you find glory, God, in the way that we take that salvation, God, and live our lives hopefully for you, God. God, as we find redemption in you, Father, as we find peace in you and hope and strength, God, as we've looked over these past several weeks, God, just through the peace, God, that is found in you, the joy that is found in you, God, the hope that is found in you, God. As we reflect on this season each and every year, God, as we remember your birth, God, and ultimately that, God, you didn't just come into this world just to die, Lord, and stay dead, God, but you came in this world to live the life that we couldn't, God, to live a perfect, sinless life, God, on our behalf, God, ultimately to die, God, go to the cross, but to be raised to life, God. Many other false gods and prophets, God, have died, but they are still dead, God. They are still dead in the grave. But God, you transcended death, God. You rose to life, God. And with that bought salvation, God, the Father's wrath was appeased, God, because he unleashed it on his one and only son, God. You. God, may we never forget the price, God, that came for our salvation, God. May we never forget your bloodshed, God. May we never become just numb to it. Almost in the light that we think we deserve it, God. Because it is undeserved, God. Through our sin and our sickness, God, and our innate nature to disobey you, God. What we deserve was hell, God. And if you allowed all of us to go there, God. You would have been perfectly just in doing so. But God, you were gracious. And God, you were loving. And you sent your son on our behalf, God. Thank you for that, God. I pray that you be with us now as we go, as we are dismissed, God, that we just look forward to just newness, God. New year. God, may we glorify you in all that we do, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed.